Thank you for joining once again. You are listening to the Nutmeg Assist podcast. Myself, Ritvik, the host, and I'm joined by my co-host, Chris. Hey, Chris. Hi, mate. You okay? All okay, mate. Nice to speak to you after, you know, a two-week hiding. Yeah, uh, you're on a two-week rest, aren't you? Yeah. I, I, uh, I, 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 good I, to I be did, back, though. Yeah, I did listen to you, you know. Uh, you know, <laughs> making me the Daniel Sturridge of the podcast, and yeah, I quite liked it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. But uh, I, I, I personally thought Sturridge was massively overrated. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I suppose that's a different argument for a different day. Right, right, right. <laughs> and a super, uh, super sub, Sudesh is back on the bench, but you will see him. Yeah, quite. Often on the podcast in episodes here and there, yeah, because he's he's proved to be a really good host or co-host as well of this podcast. And I mean, we we had a little bit of a rebrand. We used to call ourselves the Netmeg Arena Podcast, but we have rebranded to the Netmeg Assess Podcast. So that's a, that's a small change, but all is well. And today's episode you know we normally during the international break we get some topic of or the other and we normally discuss that but today we thought we try something different um and probably pick chris's tactical brains and i will probably get to use little bit of data as well so i think chris has used his tactical brain to pick his choices and i've used i i kind of basically created a small model and then also did some manual work to uh, you know put some players together using data so talking about putting players together the topic today is to select our 11 our 11 players who who's been the best transfers of the season so far so we would pick a formation we would pick 11 players and also a manager to manage this team based on the players who were transferred in this season so basically the rule is that the player should not have played for this team before the start of the season so that is the rule basically i mean i mean in the sense that they could have played for this team you know in the past or anything but i mean not not in continuous spans you ready for this chris i am i am mate, yeah quite hard one this one it was yeah. to be honest it was quite hard with the uh, with the pandemic the way the way lots of business across europe was there especially like yeah. in France and Germany. There weren't really much business in the Premier League compared to usual. None that stood out anyway, but the odd one. But I, I wanted to uh, I wanted to make sure that we had a bit of a conflict of interest. I, I wanted to make sure we had different players. So I didn't know if it was going to be possible. We'll, uh, we'll soon see, won't we? Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And we'll probably start by you know giving you guys the formation. We have lined our team up with in a 4 2 3 that's formation yeah. i like pretty much as well uh chris too i guess i like that double pivot a lot so we'll start with the goalkeeper so basically the rules not the rules basically what we've done is i picked the goalkeeper the defense and the manager six people chris has picked the midfielders and the attack another six so we've divided six players each between ourselves and picked different areas or parts of a pitch We'll start from the goalkeeper to the attack, and finally rounding up with the manager. Starting with the goalkeeper, oof, this probably—I won't say this was very tough for me. I, like I said, I had a model and I had kind of a few filters as well. So I had only a select few picks, and 
possibly the toughest two choices were Amy Martinez and Eduard Mendy. So I decided to go with Emiliano Martinez, who transferred to Aston Villa from Arsenal this past summer. And he has been really, really brilliant. I think he started all the 28 games for Aston Villa this season. I mean, I looked at some of his stats. He has a save percentage of 78, 78% save percentage. I know save percentage is not the ideal statistic, but I'll probably back that up with a few more stats. A few more stats. He normally faces an average of 4.5, approximately 4.5 shots every game. Has 14 clean sheets and is you know, second in the league in terms of clean sheets in the Golden Glove race. Two behind Edison, who has 16. Edward Mendy also has 14, though. And he actually faces tough shots. He has a PS. XG per 90 of 1.34, which means he faces some tough shots. But, you know, with respect to every shot, the post-shot expected uh, goals is 0.28. So that's that's just, I mean, 0.01 more than Edward Mendy. But he's actually massively overperformed in when you look at the, pers- the you know, post-shot expected goal differential. So not just this. I mean, I love the way he distributes. I mean... With Aston Villa, he he goes a little bit more longer than he used to do with Arsenal. I think launches are a bit more, you know, higher up the pitch distance. The the distance for the launches are much more higher. And I think he always looks composed. He is not shy from claiming crosses. He's not, I mean, he makes these spectacular saves at times. Right, Chris? I mean, like diving to the left, diving to the right. So, I mean, I I mean, I mean, like Edward Mendy as well. He's been a real good signing for Chelsea when you compare it to their previous situations. But why I went with Martinez above Mendy was because Mendy faces comparatively lower shots. So Chelsea doesn't allow much shots. And I've seen Mendy kind of struggle a bit when he gets into certain situations. So that probably made up my mind. And probably that's why I went with Emiliano Martinez. What do you think, Chris? Yeah, uh, I weren't shocked that you went with him. Obviously, Mendy was went even though even though you were picking the goalkeeper, and the def- the defenders. I was sort of you, you still go through. The, I still went through the whole team in my head. So Mendy was my other one in my head. Uh, I probably would have went with Mendy just just because I think he's had a far greater impact at Chelsea. I think it would have went a lot. Uh, it would have went wrong a lot quicker for Frank Lampard if he wasn't to come in. Uh, and I think he's a big reason why they're still they're still within a shout of not only finishing in Champions League, but they could still finish as high as second in the league, Chelsea. And I think he's a big part of that. But on the other hand, you are right in what you're saying. Uh, Mart- Martinez played uh, for um, Aston Villa, obviously, has to do a lot more work because while they're not as good as Chelsea, the defence is not as good. So therefore, yeah, he faces a lot more shots. So it can go both ways. But yeah. Either option would have been is the right choice in my opinion, mate. I think, yeah, I think both both of them have been really good, really good. To the point, I mean, to the point where I think if you take them out of that team, either one of them take them out of the team, I think you're dropping a, dropping maybe two or three places in that league easily. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, I I wanted a player who who can play out from the back as well. I know both Martinez and Mendy can, and so so it was not really you know hard in that yeah. case because both the goalkeepers had that trade. But for me, why I chose Martinez over Mendy, it was just slight, but I think Martinez probably gets tested more and I think I've seen him being more confident than Mendy probably over this last 28 games in the Premier League. So probably that's why I went with Martinez. Yeah. With yeah, Martinez no. in goal, 
Yeah, with Martinez in goal, I chose my defense. So it's a four-man defense. I'll start with the center backs. Definitely. I mean, this is probably going to be a, a regular pick, a regular choice. Ruben Diaz. I mean, what yeah. an impact he's had for Manchester City. I think he's one of the candidates for player of the season, along with a couple of other Manchester City players like Ilkay Gundogan, Joe Cancelo, and probably a few others from other teams as well. But Ruben Diaz has had a massive impact. So I think this was pretty much straightforward. Yes, he has the numbers, so I didn't really want to, you know, I don't really want to brief his numbers because he's really looked solid. He is confident even when he has the ball. He's not like that very Rolls-Royce, Virgil van Dijk type of player because he has John Stones beside him who, who, you know, who, who, who's probably more silkier than Ruben Diaz, I would say. But yes, I, I would definitely think that Diaz has had the had had a huge impact. And I think across Europe, if you look at centre backs, I think probably he is probably the best centre back signing of yeah. this this uh, you know summer or this season so far. So. Ruben Diaz as my right centre-back. As for the left centre-back, this was, again, a little bit tough decision. I mean, I had to go through a few players, round it up again. It, it, it ended up as a battle between Wesley Fofana and Sven Botman of Lille. And I know I like Fofana a lot. He's been really good for Leicester this season. He's, he's really enjoyed playing in that back three with a little bit more freedom under Brendan Rodgers. They're doing really well. But... I think Sven Botman has had probably kind of a better impact because Lille has conceded just 19 goals this season in Ligue 1. And that is the best defensive record in the league. I think PSG has the second best with 21 goals conceded. So that is quite out, outstanding considering that they played like, what, 28, 29 games already, I guess. So just 19 goals conceded. Sven Botman has been part of that defense, uh, has been a you know, kind of a fully fledged part of that defense. I think he's just missed like, what, 30, 40 minutes or something. So he's played like 20 more, I mean, out of 29 games, he's played more, uh, 28 full games and I think a, a part of another game. So he's really good in terms of progressiveness as well. He is quite progressive with his passing. He likes to play with his feet. And another big reason why I went, hit him, went with him is because of his left foot, left-footedness. I like left-footed centre-backs. I yeah. think having left-footed centre-backs at left centre-back, I mean at left-backers, sorry, at left centre-back position is probably really good. I think there was a detailed article on the Athletic, if I'm not wrong as well, on why. So I, I don't want to explain that. It opens up a lot of angles, passing angles, rather than having a right-footed player. On yeah, it, it's essential if you're playing out the park, which most teams do these days. Exactly. You, it, it, it sort of it allows you to beat the press. It opens up yeah. so many different options. So yeah, I mean, teams can pressure pressure into certain positions. If you've got two right-footed players and you try to play to that left-hand side, and the player's cutting inside on your right onto his right foot all the time, right? You're, you're potentially you're playing into if you've got if you're playing like a team like Liverpool, for example, and you do that, or Liverpool last season, uh, as opposed to this season, when you're doing that, or any team of who press who, who set press and triggers, you're playing straight into the runs. Uh, left back, left left footed centre half. So they're the, like the old left footed, the, 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 like the old left footed winger for England back 20 years ago when it was just like if you got a left foot and you're English, you're going to get into the English squad. Doreen, if you got a left foot, if you got left foot centre half these days and you play for a team that are playing out from the back, 
you're starting the game just because um, yeah. it opens up so many different avenues and allows you to uh, progress the ball uh, a lot more efficiently. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, like I said, he attempts more passes as well. Like you said, having left foot as centre-back beats the press. He, he attempts more riskier passes. So his yeah. completion rate might be quite you know, bouncing here and there. But he completes... Uh, he attempts more passes and completes more than Fofana if you compare with Fofana and there's all type of passing you want short passing you want you know medium length passing if you want long passing as well he does all this properly well he's a really good passer um, you look at the way he you know he, he he has a huge size to himself he he is really commanding when it comes to the air as well I think back in January when he was linked with Liverpool I kind of uh, you know caught a lot of games that Lille played this season so far, uh, yeah. although I, I I haven't really, really got into League One this season. But I watched a few Lille games because we were linked with Portman. And he was pretty much assuring even in the air. I think he has like, what, 71% ADL success rate, which is like pretty good. And I mean, he, he doesn't have a lot of pace. So that's where probably he gets exploited. He doesn't get dribbled past too often, but because he has quite good awareness as well. But sometimes he kind of tries to rush himself and try to get in front of the attackers and head the ball away. So sometimes he makes those bad decisions at times. So I think, and as and one-on-ones as well. I think he's good, but he probably can improve a lot more in that aspect. But if you look at yeah. the overall overall play, I think having Sven Botman over Wesley Fofana probably made sense here. So yeah. especially in the back four as well. Yeah, and that's not for... Lille have actually had a very good season as well. They've only just, re- I think last week, they might have lost the top spot to PSG last week. I mean, so they've been very much in the title race this year. And yeah. I think it'll be, given the uh, the financial difficulties of the uh, league on this this year with the TV contracts, etc. I think I think there'll be a lot of suitors for him in the summer. A lot. Uh, yeah. And it wouldn't surprise me if he actually left. He actually left the club. Um It'd be interesting to see what happens with him. But yeah, I can't argue with that. He's been fantastic. Uh, been fantastic for them. As as as, per, as have Lille themselves, you know. Mm, yeah. I mean... But it, the, you could, there was a little... Uh, couldn't believe you didn't put Ben Godfrey in there. Couldn't yeah. believe it. No. I, I, <laughs> I, 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 no, no, I actually had Ben Godfrey thought, you know, initially. I, I guess I did send him in... In, in, a, in a WhatsApp chat that we had while deciding list or, or didn't I? Yeah, I th- no, I think you mentioned them, yeah, I think you mentioned yeah, them. Yeah, a, so, a special, a special shout, I mean, Thiago Silva as well. Yeah, been, yeah. He's been okay for Chelsea. Yeah, another big reason for selecting Ruben Diaz and Swan Bortman was the availability factor because you definitely want your centre-backs or your centre-back pairing to be available for a huge part of the season. So they, they yeah. played... Uh, a lot of games they've been there con- consistently constantly so that's another reason why I chose them yeah yeah. but yeah I can't, can't argue with your choices there mate two good picks to be honest yes. Ruben Diaz I think only an idiot wouldn't put him as the sign of the season Look, just look at the impact he's had on that team um, even though he's a completely different player completely different type of defender to Virgil van Dijk the impact that he's had at Manchester City is probably similar um, to the impact that Van Dijk had at Liverpool because I think we were even questioning, weren't we, at the beginning of the season whether if, if this is it for this Manchester City team? But yeah, 
you've not only got to look at his performances individually, but he's made other players better around him. Yep. Uh, like, for example, John Stones, who's now coming into his own and coming into maybe some of the best form that he's ever shown since he's been at Manchester City. And I highly doubt that would have happened unless Ruben Diaz was there. But go on, mate, yeah? Yep. So, goalkeeper Emiliano Martinez, my centre-back pairing, Ruben Diaz as the right side of centre-back and Sven Botman from Lille as the left side of centre-back. So, when I came to choose my full-backs, again, I mean, like like you mentioned initially, the transfers you know, have been quite limited this season. But in terms of choosing the right-back again, I think two people really stood out for me. And I mean, choosing the right-back was quite straightforward because of the impact that he's had. Ashraf Hakimi, who... Yeah went from Real Madrid to Inter this summer to join Antonio Conte and who is firing Conte to a Scudetto, finally ending Juventus' monopoly. He had a tremendous season at Dortmund last year and I think the only competitor for me from the top five leagues that he had was Sergio Dest. So, yeah, I think Sergio Dest is a really good player, two years younger than Hakimi, but... I think there's still a long way for Sergino Des to go. Yeah. And Hakimi, I think, has had comparatively bigger impact. He's had six goals and four assists already this season uh, in the Serie A. So, Sergino Des, two goals and assists. Um, in terms of creating uh, creati- creativity as well, I think he passes 1.37 per 90. That's what Ashraf Hakimi holds. In terms of goal-creating actions, 0.63 per 90, which is like really, really good from Hakimi. Short-creating actions, 2.83. Again, top, top class from... Uh, 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 I know he plays as a wing-back uh, for Inter. Most, yeah. And he, he he's probably marauding forward at each and every opportunity. He's that kind of a player who loves that freedom of going, going ahead. But I think he, he definitely would fit a back four as well. So that's why I probably went with Hakimi. It was, again, like I said, not not a very, very hard pick. So, yeah. Atraf Hakimi as my right back because of the impact he's had. He's quite decent defensively as well, despite, uh, you know, his, his, his lanky figure. Uh, he's yeah. not, like, really, really muscled or bulked up. But I think he's quite, quite, quite good defensively. And I think, considering the fact that he's just 22... Uh, I think definitely improvement is on the cards because he's working under Antonio Conte, who who who, who will improve players like him definitely. Yeah. So um, Asraf Hakimi as the right back for me. Yeah, I mean, yeah. As you say, you mentioned obviously. I know he played wing, he played he played as a wing back under Conte until this year, but he did play in a back four at Dortmund under Lucien Favre, and he was just as fe- effective as well he had mm. a fantastic season last year which prompted him to, to pay the money he did for him yeah. and he, he is very much the ideal Antonio Conte player really so yeah I think I think by far by far been the best right back in Europe this year or right wing back or right side of defender if we want to call him that uh, in Europe this year I don't I don't think I don't think you could have chose anyone else, if I'm honest. Yeah, it, it it would be nice to have Ashraf Hakimi, you know, running forward with all his pace and creative ability down the right-hand side and causing havoc against the opposition for yeah. our team. Yeah. I, I mean, as the listeners probably hear the whole, uh, the, the entire team, I think you, you guys would probably be, uh, you know, <laughs> agreeing with what we're saying here. Uh, but yeah, let's, let's, let's probably keep the suspense for now. So moving on from Hakimi to the left-sided fullback. Oof, this again from me was, I think 
out of all the picks that I made, I think this was probably the hardest because I wanted to choose someone really good, but I couldn't find anyone like really, really, really good. It's not yeah. that the players who who been transferred in in that particular position are bad. There there are some really good players, but I think performances wise, I I kind of wanted a Ruben Diaz or probably Sven Botman or an Ashraf Hakimi type. So uh, so you you won't get that kind of an impact, but Still, I had three options: Ben Chilwell, um, Sergio Reguilon, Timothy Castagna. All three from the Premier League. Again, the Premier League bias coming into picture here. But I think I would probably trust my model a bit, and I think probably trust my eyes as well a little bit more. And I think I would probably stick with Ben Chilwell for now. I mean, I badly wanted Sergio Reguilon, but but he's playing for Jose Mourinho's side and. I I really don't think that I've seen the actual surgery Gilon that probably probably was quite I mean visible at Sevilla last year. So yeah, and Timothy Castagna again, Timothy Castagna again in the back five. I know I went with Ashraf Hakimi, but again uh, I think comparatively when you look look uh, when you compare Ben Chilwell and Castagna, I think Chilwell stands out. Even when you go forward, as well as defensively, I think Chilwell is quite solid as well. I mean, Chelsea had a huge, huge problem on on that on their left hand side before with Marcus Alonso, and yeah. I, I I know Thomas Tuchel has started Alonso at times, but I don't think he is anywhere you know better than or any way better than Ben Chilwell. I think Tuchel is trying different things tactically. I probably makes sense to start Alonso at times when he starts a back five. So. I think Ben Silvel suits my back four, straightforward, creates more than a little bit more than Sergio Reguilon and Castagna. I think defensively he looks solid, uh, still pretty young, and I think probably would be a perfect fit for this back four, the way that we want this team to play. Yeah, yeah, tough choice left back. Not really. I mean, I, I, when I was thinking about, it, I was trying to think if there was actually anyone again because it's been such a weird transfer. A weird season for transfers. Not anyone has really stood out. I don't. Obviously, these uh, Alex Tellers, signed for United on loan uh, from Porto. I don't really. I think Luke Shaw has been has been fantastic for them. So especially in the last couple of months. So he's not really had any kind of impact there. I was just going through the leagues and I was like, yeah, I couldn't really argue with it. Really, couldn't really, couldn't really say anything. I'm, I'm sure. There might be someone in maybe the lesser leagues, but obviously because we're sticking to the top five leagues, yeah, I think Chilwell has done okay. Don't think he's had a marvelous season, but he's done okay. Castagna is left back his best position. I still think he's very much a right back. I know he's a bit. He's been playing on the left for Leicester. He can operate on both sides as he did at Atalanta as well. So yeah, I mean yeah. Can't really argue with that. Yeah, I mean, now I mean, now it's your turn. But I just want to say that the average age of players that I've chosen is 24. So which means it's a very young squad still. 24 is not no nowhere near. I mean, nowhere near finished or it's it's a little bit away from their peak. So yeah, the defense and the goalkeepers are probably at the right age. I think the average when you look at the average age, I think Emi Martinez is the oldest guy with. Who's 28? Ben Chilwell 24, Sven Botman 21, Ruben Dias is what 23, I guess, and Ashraf Hakimi 22. So, 
it's a very young squad but very very capable i think the, the goalkeeping the goalkeeping aspect as far as the defense so let's move to midfield and attack mate so yep spill the beans yeah so like so when uh, when we initially done it uh, when people choose they always tend to go with a 4-3-3 three, three, don't they when people like so they can have the three midfielders and the three forwards obviously there was one particular player that I wanted to get in but he's not he's not a centre midfielder so that's why I had to change the system to a 4 2 3 one to actually utilise his actual position but we'll get to him in a, l- a little bit later but the midfield too was so, sort of it was quite difficult to be honest because it was like sort of when we're picking this I was going for not necessarily players who've, who might be statistically better than every other player us who've had the greatest of seasons it's just who's had the best impact at their club so um, the obvious one and I don't think that many people would have actually done done him was Pedri at Barcelona now I think a lot of people think that he come through Barcelona's youth system but he was actually bought from Las Palmas last summer for 5 million euros and he's already in the Spanish squad and people are labelling them the next in here, which I think is, is way too soon, <laughs> way too soon for that. But when you watch him play, he's, he's been very much an essential part of Barcelona turning their season around, I think, in the way that they control the tempo, uh, control the ball now. He's been he's been pivotal in Koeman's change of system, I believe. And I believe, I, I'd be shocked if he didn't go to the European Championships for Spain in the summer. Even though he's only 18, I'd be shocked if he didn't go. I know Luis Enrique has been speaking really highly about him. So he's going there uh, as one of me too. Uh, the one next to him, I was try- I wanted to go all fantasy football on this and just pick anyone. But obviously the, the tactical brain was playing a part in this. So I wanted a bit more of a, a defensive player next to Pedri. But and th- this was the one position that, that took me probably about 48 hours to choose. Um as soon as you announced that we were doing this at the beginning of the week, this was the one position that I couldn't think of in my head and I actually had to do some research. I mean, there was a couple of plays that stood to mind, like uh, Weston McKenney at Juventus. Uh, I think he's one of been <clears throat> he's been one of the one of the bright sparks and what has been a distinctly average season for Pelo and Juventus this year, or a season of transition, if if we want to label it as that. I think Jude Bellingham has had a far greater impact at Borussia Dortmund than what even they expected. Um, I thought he was fantastic last night for England, even though they were only playing San Marino. I thought the way he controls the ball and the way he does it, and he's up and down the pitch, I actually think in three years, maybe five years' time, I think he's talking about one of the best midfielders in Europe there. He's got everything, really has. But the player I um, went with... And I was so I was tempted to go with Alan and Odecore just for just for just just to get an Everton player in there. Really, I, just, I did really want them. I don't know what uh, what you would have thought about that if I threw Alan and Odecore in there. What did you think about that? I mean, if 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 it was up to me, I probably I probably would have gone with Alan Odecore or even Western McKenney instead of Pedri. Yeah. So when 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 you said that you're going with Pedri, I was a bit surprised. I know he's had a really good season. I think he's He's been one of Barcelona's best players this season, consistently from start to the start to right yeah. now. I think even Messi has, yeah, even yeah, Messi has five million like euros as well. Exactly, I think even yeah. Messi, Messi had quite an average start to the season, but Pedri was probably the shining spot even during that time, and I think even now he's he's doing really well. So I mean, 
it did surprise me but it i i i don't think it was a bad choice at all i think it's still a really really good choice i think this probably fits our team because in a double pivot i think someone like having someone like pedri probably would help us probably progress a little bit more progress the ball more probably add that that extra you know technical ability and creative touch and yeah having hoiberg i think he i mean in what's again an average season for spurs under jose mourinho dinosaur football <laughs> i know yeah. i know this is this this guy, well, probably jose mourinho probably hearing this would say that i mean we we would probably slate me right now on my face but again jose it's been dinosaur football but hoiberg has been one of the brightest spots yeah well i've gone with hoiberg just purely because he for me he's been Tottenham's best player now i know a lot of Tottenham fans will go well look at Harry Kane look at Son uh, but if you take Hoiberg out of that team this year then you're talking about a team that are probably given the struggles that they've or the inconsistency that they've had from the turning point of Tottenham season was probably the Anfield defeat the defeat at Anfield where Liverpool scored in the last minute because I thought Tottenham had the better team that night and they were probably very pretty much in the title race up until that point but their season turned after that and I don't know if Mourinho started playing a bit more defensive or anyway well anyway we're getting off topic but I just think Hoiberg has just been consistently very very good since since the since the early stages of the season he's done his job perfectly and it's the underperformance of maybe Tottenham's back four that have, has let Tottenham down a lot this season uh, and not just underperformance the fact that some of the players are just not good enough but I think for £15 million as well which he, what he was bought for, I think he's a player who has probably been 7 out of 10 every week. His position doesn't dictate that he does anything spectacular because that's not what he's there to do. But he, what, what he's done, every every week I, when I've seen Tottenham play, and I've seen them, I've seen them a lot this year, I think, God, he, he's really good. And I say it every week in my head. And that's why I thought, regardless of Tottenham's struggles or whether we, we think he's under, they've underperformed as a team or as a club or whether we think Mourinho's got it right or not, I think he's been brilliant. And that's why I went with him for for this team because I thought, as a sign of the season, he has, he's been Tottenham's best player. So he, he has to be up there for me. He's one of the Premier League's best better signings this year. Um, I was thinking of Alan and of Dejore, obviously for personal reasons, but because of the impact that they've had at Everton, they're a big reason why Everton I've been up there. There's there's no yeah. doubt about that. You take them two out of that team, but again, they've both had. The Corey's been very un un. He's just gone about his business in an unspectacular way, but he's also been hindered when Rodriguez has been playing. And Alan's had his injury issues. He started off great up until November. Then when he got injury, uh, when he had, and then he had that lengthy injury at the end of or November December time. He starts to come back now, but he's still he's still not hit that lit. That that sort of um, that performance that he was hitting at the beginning of the season, that consistency that he was hitting in the beginning of the season, so that's why I went with Hoiberg because I think I think he's been I think he's he's been in Tottenham's team nearly every week, and he's been he's been he's been one of the better players nearly every week. So that's what edged it for me. Yeah, it's it's still a yeah. really good pick. I, I I probably probably thought that you would have probably somehow included Weston McKennie, but yeah, it's still a really good double pivot. Probably you can yeah. move on with the other passes then now. Yeah, well, uh, the number ten, or he's not a number ten now, but the the player who's playing just behind me, behind the striker in a four-two-three-one. So the central, the central of the, of the three is Max Cruz for Union Berlin. Uh, I think he's had a fantastic season in the Bundesliga. Uh, if you read up 
on any kind of Bundesliga reports or listen to anything regarding the Bundesliga. He's always mentioned Union Berlin are having a fantastic season, the seventh, which for anyone who follows German football will know that is, is a really good achievement for them. They're still within the race to finish higher. They're still fighting for European football. And he was a free agent, <laughs> let go by Fenerbahce last year. He got 10 goals and five assists this year. And yeah, he's been he's been fantastic for them. So he's probably, I'd, I'd struggle to find a better signing within the Bundesliga this year or better value for money signing within the Bundesliga this year. He's been really good. I don't think many people would have picked him, but that's not the reason I've chosen him. I just think he deserved to be in the team. Uh, and then the front three, again, this was difficult because... I kept every time I wrote a player down, another player would pop into my head. I decided on Luis Suarez playing as, um, as the striker. I think many people, I think Richard, when we were speaking last year, last summer, uh, about Barcelona popped up in a number of podcasts that we spoke about. And I think we were saying Barcelona urgently needed to replace Suarez, his better years are behind him. Uh, and that is sort of careers on a decline now. Well, I don't really think we were, we could have been much wrong if we tried. He's been a massive part of of Atletico Madrid being the top of the league this year. He's shown he very much still belongs at this level. And yeah, I don't really think there was anyone else who could have chosen that position. I really don't. Uh, okay, Atletico Madrid was slightly diff, uh, slightly disappointing in the Champions League this year, even in the group stage. But domestically, I don't re- I don't see them being the top of the league without him. And I think he's been greatly missed by Barcelona, or he was up until Absolutely. recently. Uh, and my wide players... <laughs> uh, <laughs> this is going to be interesting. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I went with Federico Chiesa for Juventus. Now, if you watch Juventus play this year, when Pirlo was playing the 3-5-2, he, he played as a wing-back. But that's just because of the player's ability. He can actually play. He can play He can play right or left. And he can actually... He played as a striker for Fiorentina as well. And I think a lot of people were surprised when Juventus paid the money that they paid for him. But he's been, he's for me, he's been the best player. And I know people, Ronaldo will always score goals. We know that. We yeah. always know how important he is from a goal perspective for that team. But considering that Juventus have, to, you have to say Juventus have had a disappointing season because they're out of the Champions League and they're not going to win the league. So it's the first time in what nine years that they're not going to. They're not going to do. Uh, they're not going to win a trophy potentially. But um, yeah, he's been fantastic. Uh, play plays play both sides. He can play left or right. He, he has done when Kalo switched to a four four two. I'm playing on wide right uh, to get the other person in the team, which is Diego Jota, who's going to play. Well, he'll play wherever I tell him to play because he's very lucky to be in a team. I think. Ooh, ooh. Uh, a Liverpool player finally making the cut despite disappointing season. Yeah, well, I don't. I think he's obviously Liverpool as a club will be disappointed. Be disappointed with their season. Um, it could, could still potentially get better. Obviously, still within the Champions League. If they finish top four, I still think they've had a decent season. But obviously, given the heights that they hit last year, then it will be. It's still a bit of a, a decline. But he's been obviously. I don't think anyone can argue. With how fantastic he's been as um, as an individual, been really good. His goals have stood out, and yeah, he's, he's got his nickname Jossa the Slotter now, isn't he? So yeah. yeah, I think I think when you consider the issues that Liverpool have had this year, 
Uh, obviously, you've had to get over the murder of Virgil van Dijk from the first Merseyside derby. And I don't want to say Mane and Salah have underperformed. I think they've under... Because they've still been really good at times. I just think they've underperformed compared to the consistency and the form that they've shown in previous years. I think he's a big part of why Jota's big part of why Liverpool are still in the hunt for the top four. And if you consider the fact that he only signed... Did he sign in September, just before the season started? Or was it the back end of August? It was just before the season started, wasn't it? Mm, yeah, I mean, because I think I think his first appearance was uh, against Arsenal. It was, it was just before the season started, yeah. Yeah. So if you... And you'll back me up on this, for it. If you consider the fact that he signed then, and then when he got injured, I think in November, how much the club missed him in mm. that period. Cons- yeah. And he was still basically, he'd only been part of the club for two months. Exactly. I think that shows the impact that he had at the club. And yeah. I think they've looked a different team as well since he got back. Whether the other players around him are performing better because he's back, who knows. But he's uh, he's been fantastic. Begrudgingly admitted by myself, he has been fantastic. <laughs> I, I mean, yeah, I think looking at your picks from the midfield, I mean, all, we all, I already gave my thoughts on the double pivot, the two who sits right in front of the centre-backs or the defence. But Max Cruiser probably was, again, a surprise option, I I, yeah. I I would say. But you don't have a lot of players. I mean, I know that there were, there were a lot of good signings this summer. Kai Havertz, uh, Thiago, big signings like Kai Havertz, Thiago, Timo Werner, uh, Chelsea especially, splashing the cast, Hakim Ziyech, um, who else? Who else? You 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 have a few players like this. Uh, yeah. James Rod- James Rodriguez. Yeah, yeah. James James yeah. again. So you had big signings like this, but yet I think they 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 still haven't lived up properly to yeah. uh, the the expectations. They've not, basically, they've not been consistently. Good. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, so and, 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 yeah, but when when I when when you said Max Cruiser, I think it really struck me as well because. I've been following Union for, I mean, this season, especially I think we, when we had a podcast with Derek Ray earlier this season, I think we discussed yeah. about Union as well with him. So, I mean, they are a really good club to follow. The fans, they're really yeah. good, really voicey. I think they, they, they miss their fans in the stadium, definitely, but they're really, really, really overperforming. And Max Cruiser, like you said, free transfer, and he's been such a huge impact. He works his ass off for this team. He he works his socks off, like I said. And I mean, you 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 want a player of that type definitely in your team, right, Chris? Because especially when you look at the players that we've selected, uh, Pedri, Hoiberg, again, when you have someone like Max Cruz who's willing to to cover that distance, has pressed the hell out of players as well. So it's really important, uh, or it really fits what we want in in our eleven, in our particular eleven. And yeah. your fr- choice of friend three, Diogo Jota, like you said, I think for Liverpool, I think he's probably player of the season for Liverpool, despite missing that two months, because he's had such a huge impact. Apart from him, I wouldn't say anyone has had like a really good season. I know Salah has scored a lot of goals and stuff. He has had inconsistencies himself. Jota, wherever he left off and he was injured, he picked it straight up when he came back. I know Liverpool yeah. lost to Fulham, but he kind of looked sharp despite that being his first game back from injury. Yeah. He was good against Leipzig as well, although he missed quite a simple chance. But 
that's that's part and parcel of the game and part of our, part and parcel of what he offers as well. And I think he 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 doesn't take too many touches before shooting. I think the, that's again an, another important thing yeah. about him. Yeah, yeah, he's so very that, instinctive. Yep, that's a really good pick. Federico Chiesa, I think he, if we were going to go with the three-five-two as well, he would have made the side. Whatever our side was, I think for me as well, I think Chiesa would have made the slot because. I know Ronaldo again has scored a lot of goals this season, and it would probably look like Ronaldo has been Juventus' best player, but I would say Federico Chiesa has been. Yeah. And I think if Juventus want to save their, you know, uh, financial stability, I think it probably would make sense to put Chiesa as the cover boy or star boy and kind of build a proper yeah. team so that he can thrive. So that's again a really good pick. Luis Suarez, no doubt, no doubt. I mean. I, I think I've also said in said on Twitter and various other groups along with the podcast we did as well that Suarez probably was finished, was declined. But yeah. oh my God, he's proven us all wrong. Diego Simeone would be completely, you know, I mean he would be so so thrilling that he got Suarez and somehow he's still kind of influencing Atleti so much. Yeah, he's he's, he's had a fantastic season. Whether he can obviously carry it on uh, is to be seen. But Atletico Madrid have dipped a little bit after after Christmas or after that after January. It's starting to pick up again now. But domestically, obviously, especially that first half of the season, I think I don't think any like I mentioned a couple of weeks ago. But he was probably the, one of the most informed strikers in Europe. Maybe obviously Lewandowski and Lukaku as well. But yeah, fantastic. He's, he's had a fantastic season. Really has, and uh, I mean, there's a couple of shout outs as well to Rafinha at Leeds. Thought he's been fantastic, really good player. Leeds might struggle to keep hold of him this summer, given the impact that he's had there uh, and given his versatility. Um, again, mentioned to you before, Moise Mo- Mo- Keane's had a really good year for PSG, playing wide right, so he did enter my mind, even though he's on loan. Uh, but I just thought, no, I, I can't put Moise Keane in. <laughs> Can't do it. <laughs> I'll just end up. Yeah. I can't. When whenever and I bring in Josh King off the bench and we've we've loaned we've loaned Moise Keane out to PSG. I was like, no, it's gonna it's it's gonna ruin me weekend. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yep. But so I haven't. Yeah. Really haven't got, this, nah, yeah. Nah, our manager's choice, mate. Our manager's choice. Who've you gone with? Yeah. Yeah. So every team needs a manager, and again for manager as well, we've gone with the same criteria. Uh, this is again another tough, tough pick because the three people who were shortlisted by me initially was Manuel Pellegrini, Real Betis, Unai Emery, Villarreal, Niko Kovac, Monaco. And considering the players that we picked, I ruled Unai Emery out because I don't think this squad is probably a fit for him. Yeah. Manuel Pellegrini, Niko Kovac, yes. I mean, I, I would have definitely loved to pick uh, Julian Nagelsmann or Jurgen Klopp or Pep Guardiola for this yeah. team, but but we don't have that luxury or we don't have that option because of the rule that we put on this on this team. So I would go with Niko Kovac just because just because he's young and not just because he's young, but he's had, I think, probably a little bit underappreciated season with Monaco because they were in a huge mess quite recently oh, yeah. and he's been able to turn it around quite Quite brilliantly, I would say. Yeah, yeah, I think he's uh, he's 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 probably 
definitely in contention for manager of the season if 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 there was one for European football. Uh, I think the job he's done fantastic. I thought he was he was sort of he was tainted from the Bayern Munich experience, but don't think that was entirely. He was. I just think maybe his style of football was wrong for that style of style of that 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 team at that time. I mean, he still won the double, <laughs> still won the Bundesliga and, 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 the, and the German Cup. So. That's not a. I mean, he didn't do an absolutely horrendous job. I just think sometimes people look at his job based on the job that Hansi Flick done when he took over and sort of taint him wrongly in some ways. But I mean, the job he done at Frankfurt was fantastic as well. But this Monaco team, given that given where they've been at over the last couple of years, they're in the title race. They've got a chance of winning the league. It's fantastic, and the and the football is he's evolved his football slightly. And plus, I've actually met Nico Kovac, so. He's, I've actually I've met him at, at, uh, oh yeah he was at Goodison rather randomly whenever when Everton sacked Marco Silva and we played Chelsea on the fair, just after the Merseyside derby where they beat us where Liverpool beat us 5-2 at Anfield we played Chelsea on the Saturday and uh, he was there he was there mm-hmm. and yeah and uh, yeah he said he was just watching he was just there to watch just, just there to watch the match so yeah but what, would you not pick Thomas Tuchel out? The only reason I've not gone with Thomas Tuchel is because it's very recent. I mean, he yeah. was probably he was he he was my direct choice, first choice. What my brain suggested was Thomas Tuchel directly. So the only reason I didn't go for him was because he just took the job very recently. So I just wanted a little bit bigger sample space, and I thought it would be probably unfair to the likes of Pellegrini and Kovac if. Yeah. I kind of went with uh, Thomas Tuchel, especially when yeah. he put you know so much effort into picking the team rightly. So that's why I went with Nico Kovac. Manuel Pellegrini again has done a really good job. I think we mentioned it in our podcast with Michael uh, Cholo Colcho yeah. earlier this season how how Manuel Pellegrini, despite his worrying last job at West Ham, he was still quite an attractive manager. I think Petis have done a really good job, sixth place right now in the La Liga table. So yeah. I think again. Those two were my final picks and or, or the finalist for for the choice of manager, and I've gone with Nico Kovac. So yeah, can't argue out. with me. Can't be. I can't. I can't argue with me. Sorry. Yeah, let me read out the squad again. Four two three one. Goalkeeper Emiliano Martinez, Aston Villa. Left back Ben Chilwell, Chelsea. Left centre back Sven Botman from Lille. Right centre back Ruben Diaz, Manchester City. Right back, Ashraf Hakimi from Inter. And the double pivot consisting of Pedri from Barcelona and Pierre-Emil Hoiberg from Spurs or Tottenham. And in the number 10 behind the striker, Max Kruse of Union Berlin. Diogo Jota on the left side of the three of the front three from Liverpool. Luis Suarez Whoa. up top from Atletico Madrid. And Federico Chiesa on the right from Juventus. Although you said that Jota and Chiesa could, you know, <laughs> Interchange. Swap. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. I and Nico Kovac managing this side. I think this yeah. definitely would be a top four candidate in the Premier League, right? Yeah. Given the pro, ooh, yeah. Given how poor the Premier League has been this year, uh, definitely, absolutely. Mm. Uh, mm. But yeah, I mean, it's, I think it's just important to tell the listeners as well. Just we're not saying these players are the best players. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. We're saying these players have had big impacts at their clubs and 
and for, for the fees that some of them have have cost, I think they've been really good transfers. So yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, don't uh, just any listeners don't get on my back over the Hoiberg. <laughs> <laughs> he's been, he's I think good. <laughs> I, I I think the teams pro, kind of uh, my my worries were that their team would look imbalanced, but I think it's quite balanced right now. Uh, it is, although, yeah. Yeah, all, all, although we could get hit on the counter because we have a lot of tech, amazing players who are who with immense technical ability, especially even the backline in the and up front as well. So we might get caught out on turnovers, but I think with the likes of Ruben Diaz when Botman to read the game well and Hoiberg who can probably break up play as well, I think we are probably a bit safe on in that regard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think we've had really, really good fun picking this team, picking our brains out. And to all the listeners, I would actually love if you guys put out your own team or if you, your own suggestions. So the simple rule, like we said, is put out an 11 and also a manager who you think have been the best transfers of this season. And you have to pick a player who's been who's who's not been there in this team anywhere from last season. He has to yeah. either sign in this summer or even in January as well, although I think the time from January is quite limited. So, simple rule, best 11, best transfers of the season. Put out a strong 11, make a really good balance side, pick a manager, and we would like to see your teams as well and we would probably retweet a few of them as well from our official handle. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So, Chris, it's probably time to wrap up this episode. I mean, it's been a really, really amazing, what, 55, 60, uh, one hour, I guess, 55 minutes to one hour. Again, back on this podcast, it really feels like home. <laughs> yeah, it's been good, mate. It's been uh, it's been a bit of a thinking one, even beforehand, which is always good. And uh, it'll be interesting to see what people's opinions are on it. Because uh, like I said, it's been tricky this year, hasn't it? not been a it's not been a, an overwhelming season for transfers at all uh, it's been pretty limited given to the financial uh, given the financial constraints of the clubs and yeah and then obviously trying to find top performers within those transfers was uh, even more tricky but yeah it's been good maybe we do one for the worst 11 <laughs> that 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 would probably have some controversial picks so we well probably- i've got i've got two liverpool players in mind straight away <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I'd, I'd, I'd rather not go there for now <laughs> <laughs> so yeah that brings us to the end of this episode thank you once again to all our listeners for supporting us and a minor update as well uh, we've been upped again on our pa- or on our patron as well we have four patrons right now Abhinav joining the gang so we had a question from Abhinav as well but I think that question is probably going to fit next week's episode rather than this so we'll take that as part of next week's podcast so until then bye bye take care this is Sinat Megasis podcast peeps signing off